0: All right, well, uh, let me introduce myself just a little bit. My name is uh, Dustin Crawford. Uh, I've been in Bible Baptist Church uh, since about second grade and uh, grew up there, went to the Jacksonville Christian Academy, uh, graduated from there, went to the Bible College, and, uh, and I've been there for a long time. I did leave for about uh, seven or eight years. I went to Oklahoma uh, to be a youth pastor there uh, and uh, came back just here recently back in 2020 and... I uh, just loved every minute of being back there, in my home church, being able to be there uh, has been a big blessing and have been a wonderful time, uh, a lot of learning a lot of growing and I just, I've loved every minute of it. I've got a wife, I've got a son that's six years old. Uh, he is a, he is a miracle child. Uh, we weren't supposed to have children, but God allowed us to have one and uh, so far we've raised him right, I think. Uh, he's starting to act like me a little bit, which is kind of scary. Um... But uh, he's he's awesome. He's he's a great little kid, and I love him to death. And he's uh, he's he's a he's a firecracker, is what he is. And so uh, I love him. Uh, we've got 15 chickens and a dog. I had 20 chickens, but my dog's getting fatter. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know really what all is happening there. But uh, we got to watch her. She she likes she likes to uh, play with the chickens a little bit too hard. And uh, but no, we uh, my my family we're just. Uh, I'm just a country boy in a city life, and uh, I love it. I love being a part of ministry. I love being a part of just church. I, I, I used to, uh, in college, if I wasn't working, I was just there at the church helping out with the assistant pastors, just kind of being in church. I just love being at church, and uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I love doing it, and it's a, it's a great thing, and uh, I, I get the privilege uh, to work with our college. We don't have very many kids. We've got four students this semester. Um But uh, we're trying to regrow it, uh, and uh, we're trying to build it back up. Uh, I've got actually two students committed for this spring, and so we'll have six this spring, uh, starting in January, and then I have another one that is committed in the fall, so we'll have seven. Our goal is to have 10 by next fall, and so be praying with us about that. Uh, We we really would like to hit that goal. We have a lot of things going on with, uh, we've got a college property that's 65 acres, it's got a six-acre pond on it. Uh, it's got a million-dollar building on it and everything, and we don't want that to go to waste, uh, but we want to be good stewards of God's, what God has given us. And, uh, and so we've got a lot of decisions that are going along with the college, and so we just kind of want to see if it'll grow. And if we can get it to grow, uh, then we're going we're gonna to press forward this thing and see if we can't get it to grow as big as it can get, and uh, we'll just go from there. Our, our job is to train people to be in ministry. Uh, that's what we are looking for. Uh, if you don't know what you're going to do with your life, I do suggest go to Bible college for at least a year. Uh, <clears throat> getting a good ground, grounding in God's word and uh, being uh, focused in on that is going to help you with the next decisions in your life anyway. Uh, and so going to Bible college for a year is a good thing. Uh, if you don't know, if you, uh, there, there's a lot of kids that like to just take a year off from high school. They want to take off and they want to just get a job and they want to just kind of, kind of take, take a break from schooling. And I get it because I, I didn't like school at all, okay? I wasn't a very good student. Um, I don't know why they had me over to college, to be honest. Uh, but uh, but uh, there's a lot of kids that just want to take a break from it, and they end up never doing anything with their life uh, in the ministry. And, and these are kids that had a goal. They had a plan to go into ministry. They just never did it because they took that year off. And, uh, and so if you're planning on doing anything, uh, just get involved. Get in there. Get, and I'm not saying Bob, Bethel Baptist College is a place for you. Uh, it is not for everybody. Uh, we, do, uh, we do have a couple pools. One pool is that we're very cheap. <laughs> That's a good thing, okay? Um, I went to West Coast Baptist College for one year, uh, my freshman year of college, and I spent about $8,000 my freshman year. Uh, our college is about $2,200 a year, okay? Uh, it's pretty cheap, all right? Uh, and, and so that's one of our pulls. We, we, we like to give it cheap. We like to uh, do that. But another one of our pulls is that we, uh, we give hands-on training. Uh, when you come to our college, you are going to be absolutely in ministry every single week, whether it's Sunday school, bus routes, choir, uh, all the things that you can be a part of that we've got going on. Uh, you will be a part of it, and you will learn hands-on training. Uh, that's how I learn the best, is hands-on training. And so uh, that, that is something that you will get when you come to Bethel Baptist College. So if you'd if you like to learn that way, uh, uh, check us out. I've got a table back there. Uh, just come by and talk with me. I've got information over there. We don't have anything special. Uh, we just want to get, keep, we, we want to produce people that go into ministry and that are faithful, that are willing to serve, uh, our 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 theme is training servants for the Savior, and that's what we want. We want to train people that are going to go somewhere, like Brother Brooks came here and he's been here for years, just here faithful, doing what he's supposed to do. Okay, that's what we want. We want to we want to train people that are faithful to the to the ministry uh, of God and uh, doing what God has called them to do is is a big thing, and so. Uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, get with me after church. Uh, I, will, I will spend as much time as I can with anybody uh, in, in questions and all those things. And so if you would, turn your Bible to Matthew chapter number 5. This is a message that um, has been de- I've been dealing with it for a while now. Um, Christianity in itself is seeming like it is going to, uh, it's getting watered down. Uh, Christianity in the mind of this world is, okay, I go to church on Sunday morning. I sing, and I get, I feel good, and they, they give me a feel-good message, uh, and then I leave, and I go home, and I don't, I don't go to church ever again. Not only do I not go to church ever again until the next Sunday morning, but I kind of just live the way that I want to live. Uh, there was no real change in our life from Sunday to Sunday. And that's what Christianity is. And we know uh, in the church that we're in today, tonight, that that, that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a relationship with God. It's it's us changing things in our life to be more like Him. It's uh, us living a life that is glorifying to Him. And and, and I have to say that I am very thankful that I grew up in the church that I grew up in learning all of these things. Uh, It is normal. It is natural for me to do the right thing not all the time, but I try to do the right thing all the time. Uh, I try to go to church all the time, whether I'm sick or whatever it may be. I I try to do the right thing whether I'm I'm on vacation or not on vacation. I do the right thing. Uh, With my wife and my son, we try to make the right decisions on what is best compared to the Bible that we should do in our life, how we should run our home. We I try to do those. I'm very thankful for my upbringing. I'm thankful for my heritage of, of my grandparents and my parents that just that that kept me in a Christian school and they, they taught me the things of the Bible. I'm so thankful for it because being a Christian is awesome. Being a Christian is is really a good thing. It's 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 there's the outside world looks at Christianity as man they're they're stuck and they're in these bound. Ba- they're 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 like they're they're handcuffed to this Bible. Well, no, I'm not handcuffed. I'm free. (laughs) I am am free because Christ has made me free. And being a Christian is is awesome. We live in a world where it's really, really bad. It's wicked out there. But what a time to be alive. What a time to be a Christian. What a time to be the influence that we should be as a Christian. Uh, I mean, Paul, he made a big mark on his day. You had the same opportunity to have that big mark today. Today, I want to talk about the Christian life. Like, what we're going to read here is something that we've all heard it's the Beatitudes. Uh, It's not something new to everybody, but there's some things. there's, There's four things tonight that I want to look at in these verses of Scripture. Matthew chapter number five, we'll read the verses and then we'll pray and then we'll get into the message. But Matthew chapter number five, Verse number one, it says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is a key verse here. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be a Christian in this day, in this time of, of, of our world, uh, our culture, uh, the things that, that, that are just going on around us. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be a Christian at this time. God, I pray you help us to be the Christians that we ought to be. God, I pray that you'll take the message and be an encouragement to this church. God, I pray that you'll take uh, me, set me aside, and fill me with your spirit. God, I don't want to say anything that I'm not supposed to say. God, help me to say everything that you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. I I want us to understand four different things about this passage. Number one, I want us to understand the, the place of this passage. The place is on a mountaintop. Jesus teaches from a mountaintop. We don't know the name of this location. We don't know the name of this mountain. But in the Christian life, we have mountaintops and we have valleys. We have great times and we have low times. We have uh, happy times. We have sad times. There's all these things. And here, Christ is on a mountaintop, and he he takes his disciples and he says, Hey, I want to teach you some things. Now, there are some mountaintops in this book of Matthew. There are some mountaintops that Jesus Christ has in his life. That I want to point out real quick. Number one uh, of the places is the mount of temptation. If you were to look at Matthew chapter number four, verses one through eleven, Jesus is being tempted by the devil himself. And the first temptation was after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was tempted with making these stones turn into bread. The second time that Satan was was tempting christ he was uh, up on the temple and he said cast thyself off we know that uh he said hey throw yourself off of here that the angels may come attend to you the third time he took christ up into the high up to a high mountain he tells him that whatever he sees that he would give christ if he would only fall down and if he would only worship him that the devil would give him everything that he saw christ always answered with scripture he always said hey no this is not what I'm going to do because this is not what I came here to do. I came here for a reason. And he answers him with scripture. And, and with the Mount of Temptation, I, I can see in our Christian life that there will be temptation in our life. There will, be, there will be a Mount of Temptation in your life just like there was a Mount of Temptation in Christ's life. And if we just know the scriptures, I'm so thankful for the quiz today of, of, of getting you to study the book of Nehemiah. Getting you in the word to, to figure out some things about the book of Nehemiah. It was a great thing to do. Why? Because Scripture is great. Scripture is something that we can use in our life in the battle against Satan to help us in our temptations. With that, victory came from Christ with Satan. And with that, we can have victory in our own lives against temptation because of Christ. The next mountain that I see is the mountain of teaching. In Matthew chapter number 5, starting on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter number 5 all the way to chapter number 7, there's practical Christian teaching. Christ teaches on murder. He teaches on adultery. He teaches on divorce, vengeance, love, giving of alms, prayer, fasting, judgment, uh, false teaching. He he has all of these things. And and the Mount of Teaching helps us understand that, man, the Word of God is something that can help us. It's something that we can learn from. I was not a very good learner in school. That's why I made bad grades. That's why I, I, didn't, I didn't put myself, I didn't use myself the way that I should have used my mind in school. Now that I'm out of school and I'm out of college, I made it through, thank the Lord. I now have to, I have to challenge myself to get in His Word and learn. It's something that you have to do. There's all kinds of learning that we can get from God's word, and there's going to be an amount of teaching in your life. There's going to be an amount of testing. Matthew chapter number twenty six, verses thirty six to forty one. Uh, uh, Jesus, God is uh, uh, Jesus Christ is in the garden, and he is there, and he is doing God's will. He's on his way to be crucified, and there he stops and he prays and says, "Let this cup pass from me." Jesus Christ is tested here to not finish through what God had sent him here to do. And he was tested. And, and with that, we see the next part of that verse. He said, but not my will, but thine be done. And he 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 gets through that testing, and he continues on with the will that God has for him, and that is dying on the cross for everyone. And we're going to have testing in our life to see if we're truly going to finish out what God wants us to do. Sometimes we have things in life that come up that want to, we have, a, we have something that God wants us to do, and may, maybe maybe there's a job uh, a, a job come up that takes us off the path of what God wants us to do. May, maybe there's a testing of a job or maybe there's a testing of a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something like that in our lives that want to get us off of where God wants us to go, and we have to get through those testing. Jesus Christ got through the testing you can get through the testing as well. the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter seventeen. Verses 1-13, through 13, standing there, Jesus uh, and He is being transformed and Moses and Elias come down, they appear and God speaks, His voice is there and, and, and all these things happen because uh, we see the proof that there is eternal life. We, we see that there's proof that what, what Jesus came here for was actually going to happen and is real. The things that he was teaching, the things that he was preaching is real. There is a day that Jesus Christ is going to come back and we that are are, are saved are going to be called up in the air and we will be judged for what we've done. It's all true. The transfiguration is proof that there is eternal life. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The Mount of Tears, another mount in 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 this book is Matthew chapter number 27. Jesus was led to Pilate. Jesus was then led to be beaten. He was then led to Calvary. And then his father turns his back on his own son. And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm sure there were some tears rolling down Jesus' face when his own father had to turn his back on him because he had the weight of all the sin of the whole world on his back. But yet he was still obedient to death. He was still obedient. We we have hard times in our life, but we've got to be obedient. We've got to do what we're called to do. There's a place in the Christian life. There's mountaintops. There's valleys. There's great times. There's low times. There's times that we can go through temptations and teaching and testing and transfiguration and, and tears. We have to get through those things just like Jesus Christ did. And who is the person? The next thing, the person of this chapter. The person is Jesus Christ himself, the greatest teacher that has ever lived on the face of this earth. If you were to look at Matthew, chapter number 20, uh, Matthew 7, the last two verses, it says that it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. After he'd finished the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, it says when he ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He is the greatest teacher that has ever lived. If you would just get in this Word and you would learn it and you would study it and you would find out what God has for you, it is the best thing. We we sometimes kind of draw up our own life plan. We we like to draw these things up and say, man, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to be in five years. Well, God sometimes has a different plan than your plan. And I'm not going to tell you that your plan is is not a good plan. I'm just telling you His plan is way better than your plan. You can have a good plan, but his plan is always way better. He is the greatest teacher if you follow it. The great thing is that he taught simply. It was very simple. Everything that God taught, it was understandable. It was understandable. Not only was it simple, but it was sound. It all made sense. I I am so thankful that there is not one contradiction in the Word of God. I'm so thankful that everything lines up. I'm thankful that over the period of years and over the period of authors and and everybody that had to have a a part of this Word of God, it all makes sense and it all is clear. I'm thankful for that. I'm so glad that it it doesn't take a scientist to be saved. I'm thankful that it's not hard. It's not something that you, you have to do all of these things and you have to make sure all the pegs are lined up in order to make it. And it's not. It's just simple. Just believe on Him. He not only taught simply and soundly, He also taught surrendered. He surrendered. His surrender that would lead to sacrifice. It's amazing that He taught these things and yet He still went through with it. He went through with those things. He surrendered His life and it led to sacrificing Himself on the cross for a whole entire world. That was the person of this passage. But there's better things that happen and that's the promises of this chapter. There's some promises that come about with God's word. I'm so thankful that God is, He's, he's so good. It, 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 to, to our little minds, it makes no sense. But He is good in the fact that he, he did all of the work for you. All you've got to do is trust what He did. And then if, he, if you just follow what He has for you, He's going to bless you beyond measure. He's going to do so many great things for you. And I'm I'm not trying to say that this is just all a a great big time. There's not going to have any hard times in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But I will say that if you just follow what God has for you, He's going to bless you. And we have have verses here, verses 3 through verse number 12, that tell us exactly that He's going to bless us if we do certain things. The, The word bless really means happy are ye. Who in here wants to be happy? I love to be. I love to be around happy people. Uh, I come into work every day. I am the same every single day. I work with people that are not that way. I work with people that come in one day and they're happy. The next day they come in, they're grouches. I don't get it, okay? Because I'm happy. I I love what I do. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Do you want to be happy? And and we got to notice that every promise here, there's a condition that needs to be met. God blesses those who are actively, and I say that word actively. God blesses those who are actively trying to do the things He wants us to do. As a Christian, the Christian life in a whole is what we're going to look at right here in these these verses. The first thing that we can see here of, of being blessed is the helpless. The helpless will be blessed. Look at verse number three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are those who depend upon God, those who say, man, I, I, there's, there's a lot of people out here, if you were to go out here in just your city, there's people that may stand on the side of the street that are helpless. They hold those signs and they say, hey, we'll work for food. Or anything donation-wise will help. Uh, or whatever it may be. Those people, there's people out here that are just helpless. They don't have anybody to help them. They don't have anybody to, 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 to just pick them up and just kind of move them along. Kind of like the man that, that, that sat by the, 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 the pool of Bethesda. And he sat there for years because he was helpless. I'm so glad that we, we're Christians. If you're saved, you're Christian, you have Christ that you can depend on. You can depend on Him. And if we just depend on Him, there's going to be blessings that come about in our life. Not only is there helpless, but there's the hurting. Verse number 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I don't know how many times in my life I've, I have heard it in my heart. I've hurt. And the only thing that I could do was just cry. And there's, you know, I have a mom. And, and yes, I could go to my mother when I'm hurting and I can get a hug and I can get a kiss. And those are great. Okay? Uh, I hope I never get too old to hug my mom and get a kiss from my mom. Okay, But not only, not, that helps a little bit. But it doesn't help anything like what Christ helps me. There's nothing like the comfort that comes when God gives me some comfort. There's times that I've done wrong in the Christian life. And that that sorrow that comes about as doing the wrong thing, it works towards repentance. And if that's godly sorrow. It worketh toward repentance. Psalm 55, 1-6 says, Those who mourn uh, uh, with godly sorrow will be comforted by Christ. Each sorrow that we have, Christ has power to comfort us. We have Christ because we are Christians, and if we're going through a hurting time, we're going through a mourning time, He's there to comfort us. Not only is the helpless and the hurting, but the humble. Verse number 5. Uh, uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not weakness. We have an alpha male thing going on in our world today. Uh, and it's, you, you don't cry. You don't, you, you're, you're, not, you're not a gentle person. You're not a patient person. You're not this. You're, you're a tough. You're rough. You, you call the shots, and you do this, and you do that. That's what our world's mentality of a a male is. But that is not exactly what Christ was. Christ was not that. Christ was very gentle. Christ was very uh, uh, patient. He was very forgiving. And he, he actually, uh, uh, if you look at chapter number 11, his char- he is characterized as meek and lowly. That's what Christ was characterized as. I, I, I know people that, you know, they're, they're not very humble. They're they're not a humble person. I don't. I I'm not a big fan of them. They're my friends, but I'm not a big fan of them, because they're not they're not humble. Everything that that you do, they have something better to do. <laughs> okay. There, there's there's people that can't keep their mouth shut. They just speak their mind. There's no meekness in that. Okay. There's no meekness in that. We. Uh, I think it's interesting that. Along with being meek, it says, uh, uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37, 9 says that it promises that those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Uh, Psalms 25, 12, and 13 says that those that feareth the Lord shall inherit the earth. I I believe all those things kind of go entwine. I believe all those things kind of help along with being a meek person. You can't be meek if you're not waiting upon the Lord. You can't be meek if you're not fearing the Lord. All of these things come in place. Humble. Humble people. Uh, The next thing is the hungry. The hungry people. Verse number six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Those that hunger and thirst for spiritual things is what he's talking about. We're not talking about regular food and regular drink. Although I love to eat. I don't look like I love to eat, but I love to eat. Okay? I can eat all day long. I can do it. Uh, I, I am the kind of person, I don't like water. You say, well, you're crazy. Yeah, I am. Uh, I don't like water. It's, it, it's bland. You say, well, what do you drink? I drink a Red Bull a day, and I'm fine. Okay? Now, I understand the Red Bull's bad. I'm trying to work on my addiction. But we're not talking about addictions tonight. We're talking about the Christian life. Okay? All right? Those that hunger and thirst after spiritual things, they will be satisfied is what the Bible's saying here. You're going to be satisfied. John 4.14 says, but, so who, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. So if you're saved, you already have the water. You've already got the thirst part taken care of. You've already got that. So we need to hunger after the things of God. We need to hunger. At, we, our bodies should want those things. If I don't get a, a Red Bull a day, my body's going to tell me, you need to get a Red Bull by either giving me a headache, by giving me the jitters. They, it's going to tell me, hey, you need that. Why? Because my body hungers after it. My body thirsts after those things. If you're looking to do godly things, it will satisfy you. It will. It will satisfy you spiritually. I have never... I guarantee you that every time that you set out to be a blessing to somebody, you will become... You will, you will get a blessing out of it. Right. You will. Every single time that I've set out to be a blessing to somebody, I've been blessed in return. Why? Because you're set out to do spiritual things. You're set out to be a blessing to somebody. You will be satisfied. Ten out of ten times, you come back blessed. You will be satisfied if you hunger and thirst after the things of God. Then you see the helpful, the helpful. If you see verse number seven, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Those who show mercy, the, they will receive God's mercy. I don't. We know the difference, right, between mercy and grace. Mercy is God giving us. Uh, grace is God giving us things that we don't deserve, and mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And God did not give you what? Your your place in a place called hell. Why? Because he died on the cross for you and you accepted him. We deserve that, but he didn't give it to us. We deserve a lot of things like punishment for doing wrong. I, I'm not the only not perfect person in here, right? Okay, I've done some wrong things and I deserve chastisement. And sometimes God's a little easier on me. Sometimes he's merciful to me. And, and, and if if he's been so merciful to me... I should be merciful to the people around me. I should show some kind of mercy to the people around me because God's shown me mercy. Proverbs chapter number 11, verse number 17 says, The merciful man doth good to his own soul. The merciful man does good to his own soul. How are you being merciful to people around you as a Christian? How are you doing? We need to be helpful to those people. We need to sometimes, instead of kicking people when they're down, we need to lift them up, put our arms around them, and say, Hey, you're good. Let me pray with you. Let's get this settled. Let's get this fixed. Let's keep, going. Let's keep on for the, for the cause of Christ. But, but in our Baptist world, sometimes we're just kicking people down while they're down. We're not showing any kind of mercy. We need to be helpful to people. Not only do we need to be helpful, but we need to be holy. Verse number, nine, uh, verse number 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see... God, they shall see God. The pure in heart, the pure will see God. How close do you want to be to God? Now, I know we're not going to be able to see Him physically. He's a spirit. But how close spiritually do you want to be to God? How holy can you be? God cannot allow wickedness by Him. He can't allow it. Why? Because He's holy. Be holy for I am holy. We, we need to be holy. We need to live our lives that is a holy life. How close do you want to, how close do you want to be to God? I want to be as close as I can to God. I want to, I, want to be, I want to be the person that people come to and say, Hey, Brother Dustin, would you pray with me about this? Because I know that you can get a hold of God. and I know you're close to God. That's, that's who I want to be. I want to be that person. Not only do we need to be holy, but Heavenly. Verse number 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. The peacemakers, people that are just pleasant to be around, peaceable, they, they will be called the children of God. God did not say calm people, but He rather those who make peace, those who uh, uh, calm the situation down, they, they, they want to make peace. Christ is the real peacemaker, and if we have Christ in us, we should be peacemakers with people around us. There will never be a peace between man and man until there is peace between God and man. You will never have peace, true peace, until you have peace with God. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1, Romans 12.18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That doesn't mean that we take up their standards, that doesn't mean that we uh, follow everything that they do, but we live peaceably with all men. We have standards that we have to live by. And the last thing that I want us to see, we see the persecution. This is, this is the key part of the Christian life. We, we just saw all the great things, the blessings that come about with the Christian life. Now this is the last thing, really quick and I'll be done. The persecution, verse number 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You say, well, how in the world am I supposed to be happy being persecuted? How in the world am I supposed to be happy with people that make fun of me, people that may say wrong things about me, things uh, I'm just trying to live right. I'm just trying to live the way that God told me to live, and people are making fun of me. I've lost friends. Even some of my family members don't even like me anymore. I I don't know why, but this is all happening to me. Why am I being persecuted, and how am I supposed to be happy about that stuff? God tells us exactly why. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's, it's going to happen. If you're, if you're set out to live godly, you will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So it's going to happen. We know that. But persecution is a good sign. Persecution means that you're doing right. You're, doing, you're, you're living right. That's what persecution means. People are going to charge you falsely. Just be happy about it. Having a good conscience That whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you, accuse your good conversation in Christ. Uh, He's saying here, hey, uh, if you just live right, they can't get you. They can't get you. They may falsely accuse you, but it ain't. It's going to come to pass. It ain't true. Just live right, and then rejoice in it. Rejoice in your persecution. Hebrews chapter number eleven talks about our forefathers talks about how they went through all these horrible things. They went through all the bad persecution, and they all did it for the Lord. They all did it for the cause of Christ. And and how in the world did they do it? How could they be happy and rejoice in the things that they did? Because they were looking at what was to come, the reward that was to come. That's how we can be happy in what we've got going on in our Christian life, whether it be good or bad. We, we've got to look at the end result. What's the end result? Our reward one day is we're going to get to walk on streets of gold. We're going to get to be in a mansion that Christ has built for us. I mean, there's going to be treasures that I have gained. There's all kinds of great things that are going to happen. There's, there's amazing things that are beyond our imagination when we get to heaven. We, we should rejoice in the fact that, man, I get to be a Christian today, 2023. 2023. 2024, 2025, whenever the Lord comes back, until He comes back, we are here to be Christians. We are here to do all of these things that He talked about, being, being poor in spirit and mourning and, and being meek and, and hungering thirst after, hunger and thirst after righteousness and being merciful and being pure and holy and peacemakers. That's what we're here for. We're here to do these things. And it's going to bring some persecution in your life. But guess what? There's an end result. We get to be in heaven with Christ. We get to praise Him forever and ever and ever and ever. So, my question to you is, this is the Christian life in a bundle. How are you doing in your Christian life? Do you fit in more with the world or do you fit in more with Christ? How are we living? Most people that you work with, you are the only Bible that most people will ever read the most the people that you're around all the time how is your character how is your example of being a christian do they even want what you have what are we doing as christians these days the independent fundamental baptist movement is dwindling very quick yes very quick it's going down now we know that it's going to happen we know that it's the more and more as a day approaches that we're going to have less and less but as we're here today as Christians let's do the best that we can in this Christian life let's be excited about being a Christian sometimes we're just we're just in a bad mood because we're a Christian we got to go to church on Sunday I could have had a day off and I could have went and did this and I ain't got to do that I ain't got time for that cuz we got Wednesday night church and the kids are doing the kids program I we It's not how we should act as Christians. We should be happy that we're allowed to be in God's house. We should be happy that we get to live a life that is pleasing to Him. You say, well, Brother Dustin, you sure sure are, are preaching hard on that. Well, you must be doing great. No, no, I'm not. There's places that I can do better in. There's places that I know that I can do better as a Christian, and I'm working on those. There's a difference. There's a difference between knowing and working on it and knowing and not doing anything about it. So how are we doing tonight in the Christian life? We should be doing everything we can in this day to be a Christian. You should be excited about this. This is a great time to be alive. The Christian life is awesome. Let's pray. Do all our for this day. God, thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, we're so thankful again for the opportunity to be in your house. God, I pray that I didn't take up too much time. God, I pray that there's encouragement. God, I pray to help, that, help us as Christians. To be the Christians that we ought to be in our cities, in our towns, in our state. God, we need Christians. We need Christians to live right. God, we want to do the right thing and, and bring glory to your name, not hinder your name. God, help us to do all we can to glorify you in Jesus' name.